You've reached NVC Voice, a podcast for Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas. Hello, my name is Julianne Montano. Have you ever learned something important from someone unexpected? Being my mother's teacher is a story about learning and unlearning in order to love yourself. When I was young, I was made fun of for my crazy hair. I wake up in the morning with it super curly and wild, sticking up in all different directions. Sadly, people's comments on it made me really self-conscious, and I started straightening and taming my hair. Thankfully, I grew up in an open-minded and accepting time, so I eventually stopped damaging my hair and started embracing it instead. But that isn't the case for everyone. My mother also has curly hair, but I really saw it natural my whole life. Every memory from my childhood, my mother's hair was always straight. I never questioned why. It was just normal to me. I thought all curly-haired people straightened their hair. My hair was short for many years. When I let it grow, I never styled it since I didn't know how. I remember my mother would try to style it for me or ask me to actually do something with it. When I would ask why, she would say, you just have to, which I never understood. A few years ago, I started asking my mom why she never wore her hair like I did. Her answers were usually, my hair is ugly like that, it'll make me look fat, and my hair's too big. Of course, that wasn't true but I didn't understand where she was coming from. I recalled a time when my mother had expressed that she was treated like I was growing up with my hair, and I realized that she didn't grow up in the most accepting environment. As I got older, I started to notice a stigma around curly hair. Society had convinced people that curly hair was ugly and unprofessional. When I expressed this to my mother, she didn't believe what I was saying. I kept asking her why she didn't like her hair, trying to get her to search for a real reason. When she realized she couldn't think of one, she started to believe what I was saying. I started to ask her questions such as, Do you think women who wear their curly hair in a workplace setting are unprofessional? Why? Do you think women with hair like you are ugly? I did this for months, hoping she would unlearn what had been taught to her. Her hair wasn't a problem or something that needed to be taken care of. I even asked her if she thought I was ugly with my natural curly hair. I think that's what finally got to her. One day, she finally got the courage to wear her hair naturally, and my entire family loved it. My father even expressed to her that he loved her hair always, but particularly when it was curly. This gave her a confidence boost, and she started doing it more frequently. Even though my mother started her hair journey, as she calls it, to embrace her hair and learn to be happy with it, she would still sometimes talk badly about herself. Whenever she did, I would try my best to encourage her to keep going. This went on for months, but eventually she wore her hair curly every single day. When I asked her what changed her mind about her hair, she said, You helped me realize my hair was was never ugly. What surprised me during that conversation wasn't that I was her reason for change, but it's what happened at the end. My mother reached for a hug and said, I know as a parent, I'm supposed to teach my kids, but my own kids have been teaching me more than I have them. Thank you for being my teacher. What she said meant the world to me. I was so happy that I could get through to her and open her mind to new ideas. I was surprised she actually wanted to unlearn the toxic things that were taught to her as she was growing up, especially from another kid. Today, she's in the process of learning something new. My siblings as well as myself have been teaching her about internalized misogyny and issues about weight. Although it may be hard, I'm glad we're doing this while she is at her happiest version of herself, curly hair and all. Greetings, my name is Jaime Garcia. Today I will talk about my cultures and how my ancestors have impacted my life today. Your blood in my veins. Being Mexican and Salvadorian, living and growing up in the United States has been much tougher than the average person. 
There are many times when people who move to the U.S. often lose connection to their culture. There are tons of traditions from all cultures that have been lost due to Americanization. Personally, I wanted to get a better sense of my Mexican culture and the history of its traditions. I took interest in my Mexican roots and began to learn of the most popular music in its history, which was mariachi. However, my Salvadorian culture is one that not many people are aware with and a culture I worship deeply. The feeling of playing mariachi and interpreting the emotion of a song with words is a feeling I could repeat endlessly. There are so many songs and famous artists who have spread mariachi and its culture around the world. Mariachi groups have even began forming in places like Japan, Canada, Puerto Rico, and Brazil. It is quite relieving to see the spread of mariachi throughout the world and the emergence of Mexican culture. There are many ways and forms that I have continued to learn and provide a better understanding of how my culture grew. Today, mariachi has changed my life and it is what keeps me connected to my Mexican heritage. I am honored to pass on the love of my culture through music. The Salvadorian culture is quite unique in that their story is like no other. My ancestors once ruled Cuscatlan, which is now modern day El Salvador. The people who inhabited this land were known as the Nahuatipiles. The native language Nahuatl, which was spoken by my people, was seen as idolatry in the eyes of the Spanish who strongly believe in Catholicism. Many of our favorite beliefs and practices were stripped from the rights of my people as they were forced to learn Spanish. In 1932, an ethnocide occurred, killing an estimated 20,000 or 40,000 civilians, many of them being Nahuatl. Their pain and suffering will be forever with me, and I will forever praise them for the many years of torment. To this day, as Pipiles, we speak Nahuatl. At the same time, our language has evolved compared to that of the Nahuatl spoken in Mexico. To me, my language is beautiful, and it is what makes me unique, whereas in other places, it is discriminated. This language still lives on and is now being incorporated into mariachi music, uniting both of my cultures. In conclusion, I am proud of my Mexican and Salvadorian heritage. Through the many obstacles that life has to offer, my culture and beliefs have taught me to stay connected to my ancestors. Their sacrifices and torment will never be forgotten as they are with me in spirit. They have given me such a beautiful and diverse culture that is still with us to this day. These are my people, my culture, and my life. And no matter what, their blood will continue to run in my veins. Have you ever moved and realized that what you feared most would be the least of your problems? My name is Gav, and this is Growing Up Colorblind. Being a person of color born and raised in a town only three hours away from France made it very unsurprising that I'd never even batted an eye when seeing someone of a different race. People in our town just called it being colorblind, no one outwardly expressing their dislike of other races. It wasn't until my family moved to America that I realized how important race really was. Almost immediately after moving to Salisbury, North Carolina, a simple trip to the European market taught us that not everyone was colorblind like us. Going to the store during one of our trips, me and my brother were quick to buy the things we wanted before growing bored with the actual grocery shopping part of our outing. Deciding to wait in the car for our mom, we headed to the parking lot with our two small bags and our mom's bright pink lanyard. We didn't make it far before an average-looking man in a button-up and a walkie-talkie approached us asking us what we were doing. Telling him we were just waiting for our mother, I lifted the lanyard with a set of car keys, waving them in front of me as evidence of our intentions. He asked if our mom was still in the store. 
giving a quick half-hearted wave into the direction of the Sally Beauty Supply not far from the market. With us quickly saying no, man gave us a hum as a response, nodding his head to us as a goodbye before turning away and continuing to walk around. All but running back into the store, my brother and I began quickly talking over each other, out of breath, in a rush to tell our mom about the weird guy we met outside of the store. We began leaving the market while she explained to us that the man was just a security guard. When outside, she asked if the man was still around. It didn't take us very long to point out the man, him watching us walk past. My mom walked up to him, asking if there were any issues, and he let out a long sigh before slowly replying that he just wanted to see what we were doing in the parking lot, because in the past week, a lot of them had been spray-painting the buildings in the area lately. Who's them? My mom asked, to which the man replied, the group of hoodlums, before giving a slight nod as a goodbye casually walking away. In disbelief, my mom told us to get into the car, us sitting in complete silence the entire ride home. Now that I'm old enough to realize what it was, I can say that I had my first racial encounter that day. Not knowing how our race would affect the way that people treated us at the time, me and my brother experienced one of the less talked about normalcies of people of color. Ironically, later in life when deciding to search for the town in North Carolina we used to live in, the first famous main attraction that pops up is the Mount Vernon Plantation House. My family had unknowingly moved into one of the most racially sensitive towns of the state. Like swimming in puddles, we had managed to move into one of the most restricted places possible for our family in the entire melting pot that is the United States. I'm a student at Northwest Vista College. Today, I will be reading my memoir about my three-legged dog that I created a friendship with in the memoir called Tripod. It was a chilly, wistful day. Regret hit the face of my sister and I after sleeping for the third night in a row in the medium-sized yellow tent. With me were my dogs, Samba, a beautiful white German Shepherd that had eyes that glistened in the sun, and my dog Tigger, an energy-filled leopard-striped dog. As we packed up the tent at the end of the hill where the road was, cars zoomed down on the hot pavement. Nothing came to our mind as cars would always drive insanely fast in our neighborhood, and it was normal that our dogs would run along the fence lines and chase them. Except today was different. Our gate was open. Little did I know that I would experience what true friendship in between a dog and a human and how it would affect the way I think for life. As we packed up our tent, I heard a car coming, and our dogs ran down through the gate onto the road to chase the car. I saw my dog disappear down the hill and the car coming closer. My sister and I heard an abrupt stop and the sound of metal bending. To my face came no emotion. White noise crept into my ears, and my fingertips rushed with blood, and a fizzy feeling came from my gut. I rushed down the hill to see Tigger running up on our gate opening, immediate clarification knowing that Tigger was okay rushed through my body, and then she came closer. I saw her leg, which was practically stripped of flesh and bone protruding from her chest slash torso. Her leg was covered in blood, but you could visibly see all of her leg just with bone and veins all over her body. A lady came screaming out of her car, crying in between her words and pauses in each word stating, I just hit your dog. I didn't hesitate to make action, and without responding to the lady, I ran straight up the hill to grab my dad. As I approached the door to my house, I scrambled to get inside and frantically looked for my dad. When I found him, I exclaimed what had happened, and all that could come out of his mouth were curse words. My dad grabbed the car keys and told me to, to grab a towel and get in the car. I did so without hesitating. We picked up Tigger and my sister. It looked 
Like the shock had finally mellowed out and Tigger was starting to slowly fade away into unconsciousness because of all the blood she was losing. I applied pressure to her skinless leg, not knowing that she had three broken ribs and another broken leg. We arrived at the vet hospital, not knowing if we'd see her again. I then realized what I was fearing, losing a friend. I realized that this dog has caused me so much happiness and I couldn't see it until the end in the fear of actually losing her. Dogs and humans have such a long past. We humans and dogs get along so much that they can be considered friends and even family. Losing a dog is like losing a family member, and I did not want to lose her. Hours upon hours had gone by, and finally a vet surgeon had come out to tell us what our two options were. We could either put her to sleep or go through a hefty process of taking her leg off and going through recovery for several months. My sister and I immediately knew what we wanted, but in reality, it was up to my dad and mom. In the end, he decided to go through the healing process, in which I learned how Tigger showed no intention of giving up and being grateful for every day she was given. My mom and I had worked with Tigger for countless hours every day. At around four months, she finally was fully recovered and could play again with her family and her German Shepherd friend, Samba. I had learned so much from these four months of caring for her, knowing that she counted on us to help and knowing as a human I could never give up on a, such a brave little dog as herself. She was the light of my world and Tigger had made me learn that dogs and humans are fully capable of being best friends. One day after middle school, my mom and I were driving back home from a long hot day in my mom's green Kia. My mom entered my neighborhood and wasn't talking and I knew immediately what had happened. I slowly opened my car door and gazed 15 meters out to see Tigger lying on the side of the road gasping for air. I walked over and hugged her knowing she wasn't going to make it out of this one. As many thoughts rushed in my head, the same lady I saw almost two years before come out of her car and say, I'm the same lady that hit your dog the first time. As she burst into tears, I had no hatred or spite towards her at all. Just sadness. My mom and I loaded Tigger into the car and brought her up the hill, where her best friend Samba jumped in to take a peek inside the car and saw what had happened. He started to whine and slowly walked away from the car. The next morning, I walked outside and noticed that Samba wasn't moving and inspected further and noticed he had passed away. Overall, I don't regret one second I spent with Tigger regardless if she was hit again or not. She, was made me, she has made me learn as a person that humans can be attached to dogs and much as humans can be attached to family members or friends. Tigger opened my eyes so many things like learning how to take care of someone in need or never give up on someone regardless of the situation how dire and grim it could be.